Good day, listeners. It's your man, Dame DNYDC, host of the Two Mics Up podcast, here with my amazing uh, co-host and queen of the show, Elisa Middleton, and really excited today because uh, we're going back home. We're going back home to New York. We're going back. We, we visiting with a brother today uh, from Money Earning Mount Vernon, you know, uh, uh, hometown, you know, I, I want to say hero in a way for me. Um, in the sense that, you know, we were talking before we came on air and my daughter being a film uh, major George Mason and kind of educating me on how black films are done today and just understanding how they portray us, you know, the coloring, the lighting. Um, and now it really has me. I'm down. I'm sitting here criticizing movies now as I'm watching them. <laughs> you in the industry, right? You know what I'm saying? And I'm calling her. I'm Facetiming. Like, yo, you see this here? She's like, Dad, see, that's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. So yeah. it's an honor, you know. First of all, before I even get into who our guest is, um, you know, Lise, you know, I see you like you would say, you know, you're feeling like a fan, feel like a little kid, right? I you know? know. <laughs> I'm a little giddy, you know. <laughs> it's always good to see, um, you know, black people elevating. So mm. that's what makes me, you know, a little giddy. And then knowing who this person is, uh, I'm a fan, so I'm a little, you know, I'm trying to be cool with it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to do my best, girl, you know. <laughs> so you know what, listeners. Without any further ado, you know this gentleman, man. He's been in the game 20 plus years, actor, writer, producer, you know, film, TV production. I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to go ahead and let this brother go ahead and introduce himself to our listeners. You know, Lawrence, please go ahead and introduce yourself, my brother. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, it's an honor to be here. Um, I'm always down to support our people, regardless. Um especially on Super Bowl Sunday and meeting you guys is just bringing a real smile on my face. So I'm just, I'm honored to be here. My name is Lawrence Adisa. Um, once again, from Money Yearning in Mount Vernon, New York. <laughs> All right. Out here in Los Angeles, uh, representing Money Yearning in Mount Vernon all day. All right. I'm living out here and just doing the thing, acting, producing, etc. Yes. Uh, we love that, man. We really love all, all that you're doing, and you know, I'm going to slide to the side because you know, Lisa, I see the smile. I'm going, you go ahead and, and open up. We'll go ahead and get your question in there, sis. <laughs> I'm mad you keep putting me on the spot though, but that's <laughs> I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, again, welcome, Lawrence. So good, good to have you here on the show. Now, I do want to ask what inspired uh, you to get into acting? Was that something that you always knew, or was there some inspiration behind that? You know, honestly, no. Um, I was working a dead end job. I was uh, working at a bank. I was a uh, Marine Millen Bank in New Rochelle. I was um, like the mailroom guy. And I used to have to deliver mail to all of the departments throughout the bank. And honestly, I hated that job. I, I hated delivering mail. It just felt like my mom didn't put me on this planet. God didn't put me on this planet to deliver somebody's mail, especially that type of mail, not like working at the post office, but like at a at a bank where you made like minimum wage. So I just thought it was um, a crappy job. And I never really thought about being an actor. I was more about sports and, you know, things like that. 
but I saw a commercial. This is a true story. My one of my good friends, Louis Boris from Mount Vernon. We both worked at the bank, and I saw a commercial about, "Hey, you want to be an actor?" Blah blah blah. And uh, <laughs> come to Manhattan, you know, and 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 sign up with us. And believe it or not, that company was like a ripoff company, of course. Dateline actually went undercover. They were called Faces International. I remember that. I remember. Mm -hmm. Faces International. Yeah, Google them. Mm -hmm. And I was a victim. Uh, I paid them like $1,500 to be in their magazine that they distribute to agents and producers from the East Coast to the West Coast, all of the studios. And they had people like Bill Cosby on the cover, um, Michael Caine on the cover. So you you would think that they were legitimate because they had these, these icons on the cover. But in reality, they weren't interviewing these icons. They were just showing their image. Mm. You know? So it, it, was, it was a good bait and switch. Mm. I got suckered in. I paid, basically I paid $1,500 for a photo shoot. That's what they did. And they said they were going to ship this catalog, which comes out quarterly, to all of these agents, blah, blah, blah. When I got the catalog, it was about a thousand pages thick with like a thousand victims. I mean, they were making a boatload of money, a boatload. And, you know, I realized it pretty early on that it was a scam. And I knew a lawyer in White Plains. And you know, I don't play around, man. If, if I, <laughs> I take advantage of, I'm coming hardcore. And I went hardcore. I, I contacted them. Had my he wasn't he wasn't my lawyer, but he just he felt bad for me. Mm-hmm. He wrote them a letter telling them, "Look, you took fifteen hundred dollars from my client. Um, you need to make him whole." The lady who was like the branch manager ended up contacting me directly, and this is a true story. She was like, look, Lawrence, I'm sorry what happened to you. I'm going to personally see to it that you get your money back. We can't refund you, but I'm going to help you. And she did. She she literally, God bless her, she got me auditioned. I booked two or three commercials. I mean, no, one commercial and two music videos. And Twinkie Bird, who was one of the greatest Black casting directors on the planet, she was one of the casting directors that uh, casted me in a music video that Queen Latifah was like the, um, she, she was the, like the, um, she had a label and her main artist, I don't forget, forgot the group's name, mm-hmm. but she was the label head. It was her group. And, and the lead group of this video, I was a lead man. It was like a romantic scene. It paid me like, five, $600 for a video shoot. Wow. I made money from this commercial, like an Adidas commercial that she got me, the the, uh, the manager, the branch manager. So make a long story short, I made back my $1,500 by acting after getting scammed. Wow. Wow. That, when that point forward, I didn't stop. I went, you know, full wow. Yeah. That's what's up. You know, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a crazy story. And, you know, from that experience, though, I, I have to ask, so like now or moving forward from that, you mm-hmm. know, when deciding to join uh, or do a project, 
you know, whether it be as an actor or producer, like, what do you look for, like, in the script or in the role, you know, that before accepting it? Wow. Well, I'm, I'm like, like, you kind of touched on it earlier, how they, how Hollywood depicts us, not just in how we look with the lighting and, and, and everything like that, but the scripts, you know, if we've all seen, you know, the stereotypical roles that we play and it's not like, you know, we don't have a choice half the time, mm. you know, especially back then, you know, we never choice. There weren't enough roles for us. All of the roles were gangbanger or all, all this type of crap. But once you paid your dues a little bit, you can be a little more selective. Mm -hmm. With me, if I see a whole bunch of, you know, the N-word or or the, or the B's and the hoes and all of that stuff, I'm, I'm good. Right. Me personally, I don't need it. Um, I, I like I, I like stuff that makes me think mm -hmm. or make me laugh. And if I can see that, you know, in the screenplay, in the synopsis, whatever, then I get excited. But if it's the same old, you know, the ghetto stuff. Right. And that's why I, that's why I transitioned to creating my own material. Like you get tired of auditioning for this stuff. Mm. Honestly. And I was going to be, I was going to ask that question because already being an actor is, you know, challenging yeah. in the industry, especially. So how was the transition from adding acting, uh, writing, producing? Um, was that something you educated yourself on or did you have a mentor? You know, my mentors are, and it's, it's crazy. I had a conversation with one of my best friends. Um, who is a household name in this industry, but we talked about what you just asked me, mm. which, which is, you know, we support each other. It's not a, it shouldn't be a competition thing. Like right. when you go to an audition, I'm not competing against the other 10 brothers in the room. I'm, I'm competing against myself to go in there and impress these, you know, di the director and, the, and their team. And hopefully I, I fit the role, you know, I fit the look, whatever, you know, they might be looking for a mo more muscular guy or, or a slimmer guy or a better looking guy. Who knows? Mm. All you can do is control your performance. And my, my mentality is, and this is what we talked about. We support each other. I support you. You support me. Those are my mentors. I don't have, I didn't have somebody to like, warn me against like the faces international mm -hmm. and companies like that i just had to go through the learning curve now i do that like, I, I get a call at least once every few months from people i don't even know like on facebook someone some or send me a message hey i'm trying to get into acting blah 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 and and i give them the jewels that nobody gave me right, right. and i know i say some people <laughs> 1500. Like, I know I did. <laughs> I know. because they, they Thanks, Lawrence, blah, blah, blah. But my friends are my mentors. You know, they, they, they encourage me. I watch them produce movies. Um, Ronnie Warner, you guys look him up. Makai Pfeiffer, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, these guys have produced movies before me, but because they're, you know, they're my boys, I was inspired by by what they were able to accomplish because nobody gave them nothing. Mm. Right. Wow. And they dropped the jewels on me. Yo, L, you got to try this, do this, blah, blah, blah. Yo, I wrote my first script. 
they were there for me. They came to the table read, not just them, but my other friends. Man, it's a it's a family affair in Hollywood. If you got a, a click that you we're know, not, you're not in competition. You just brought up a very good point that before I even, even my next question, but it just have you found over the years though that it's be evolved into that out of necessity? Or is this something that we've just naturally evolved in? Because, you know, when you first entered, did you really find or feel that there was any black cliques or support systems in place? Or did this kind of evolve over time? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> you know, I think for me, like I, I used to go to the Black Filmmaker Foundation in mm -hmm. Manhattan, in Harlem, mm -hmm. back mm -hmm. in the day. And they were very supportive. But it's different. Like, whatever hood you're from, it's nothing like being able to meet brothers or sisters, you know, in the acting game and you just develop a natural, you know, friendship, mm -hmm. no strings attached, none of that. That's how, it's, for me, it worked. Even though there might've been platforms where you can network and, and all of that good stuff and, and had that support structure. It didn't happen like that for me. I just, you know, me and Makai auditioned for Clockers. Mm -hmm. and after we both got a role, we, you know, we became like best friends because it just happened naturally. You mm -hmm. know, Malik Whitfield, another great actor from the Bronx who I've known, I met Malik Whitfield before Makai and Malik Whitfield was on a soap opera. He was like doing the thing crazy. Right. And he took me on his wing, like like how you just saying just now. We met at a table read, and we just bonded that Mount Vernon Bronx thing. And me and Malik Whitfield have been friends forever. Wow. You know, since I like before I was even in the union, like early. I was still working at the bank at this time. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's all natural for me. It was natural. Gotcha. Everybody in my inner circle, we just met auditioning or you know, in that world. And none of us wanted anything from each other. Right. We just right. boys. We just like, boys. Right. I get and that. It's funny you say that because um, I, I heard uh, Tisha uh, uh, Arnold and um, uh, Tisha Campbell, excuse me, mm -hmm. and um, Tashina Arnold. Tashina Arnold. Tashina mm -hmm. Arnold. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk about that about um, the co competition that it was never really, um, it was just a known fact in the industry that when it was people of color that were going up against auditions that they always kind of migrated towards each other and it wasn't about uh, competition. And that's how you have uh, so many uh, people of color that are actors that really look out for each other mm -hmm. and kind of stay in this close knit um, community, Hollywood yeah. community, if you said, if you will, um, so that if anybody needs anything, you have mm -hmm. each other to lean on because sometimes mm -hmm. the opposing side or the opposite side is not so forthcoming with right. that. Without question, and I, I saw her in an in-depth uh, interview say that. So it's ironic you said the same mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Without well, with that part, then um, you know, as a producer, but let's move to your producer hat. You know, what was it like producing? You know, your first film, uh, grinding. What, what what was that whole thing? Like, kind of take us through that producer hat experience. 
Yeah, it was definitely, <laughs> it was an experience. It was, it was an experience. Luckily, I had years of grinding okay. in the game. And, and, I, and most of the people in the film were part of my inner circle. You know, Regina King blessed me. Wow. You know, she like was already an icon in our community. Right. I mean, she's globally. Think about it now. She's like winning Oscars and things. But even back then, she was still the GOAT, you know, mm -hmm. two, seven and all of that. And she blessed me with a cameo. Like, I felt the pressure that if if all of these talented actors that, you know, um, helped me out on my first film, I had to get it completed. Mm. Um, it couldn't be one of those films where you you ran over budget and it became like a coaster for your coffee cup or whatever. No, it had to be you know on DVD somewhere. And the pressure was real, but we got through it. It was a it was a it was a learning experience. You know, um, there are things I would have done differently, etc. But then again, you can't pay like experience. The the experience that I got from that movie was like going to UCLA mm. or USC for four years and getting my degree in film production. So I mean, there's just tons of stories about it, but we we got through it. We all still friends. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that all the time. People fall out of friendships when they right. get together or whatever. I still love all everybody that worked in that film. I'm still tight with. We look at that film as like our baby because it was my first one. And I've, I've, I've obviously improved my skills from then, but that experience, I wouldn't change it for anything. It was, it was priceless. Man, man that's what's up right there. Yeah. Um, I, I have to uh, admit, I'm going to have to sit down uh, this weekend or sometime during this week and go back and really uh, look at it from, you know, uh, being older and, and look at it from that perspective of back then, you know, grinding and, and gritty you know, that feel that was going going on back then. So I'm going to take some time out to go back and look. Uh, but oh. I do have another question, though, that this really kind of came from talking to my daughter. Um, and just being, you know, we, at the time of this taping, you know, we're going through Black History Month. Um, yeah. And if you could go back in history and talk to a historic Black figure, and he or she asked you to write and produce their film. Who would it be and and why? Whew. For me, and it's, I mean, it's already been done, but still, for me, Ali, mm. Muhammad Ali, and Malcolm X, for wow. me. Okay. Like, it's a, it's a toss-up. I, I, my first book that I read outside of what was required and from school was the autobiography of Malcolm X and Ali, man, he was just a bad dude. Like, yeah. you know, he, he put his career on the line for what he believed in. So those two icons uh, for me, if I could. Yeah. Wow. That, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I like the Malcolm X one. Definitely. I would love to see that uh, again. That, it was a great movie already. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Denzel did the damn thing. Um, yeah. But I would like to see another another iteration of that story. Yeah. Uh, so real quick, listeners, you know, I just want to let uh, everyone know that today's episode 
uh, sponsored by our friends over at Riddick Entertainment. Riddick Entertainment is a multifaceted event management firm based here in Northern Virginia. Uh, whether designing weddings, milestone celebrations, corporate events, galas, or charitable functions, Riddick Entertainment's detailed creativity and precision, precision, excuse me, uh, for event planning will give you a truly meaningful and memorable experience. Check Riddick Entertainment out at www.riddickriddickent.com and go ahead and get your event planned today. So moving into the second segment and, and really, you know, changing lanes, you know, I wanted to ask, you know, over the last year, we've seen a lot, you know, the ugly, ugliness in our society, you know, the Trump administration and rearing its ugly head uh, against the black community. In your opinion, you know, Lawrence, what do you think as black men, what can we do more within our community to help influence some type of positive change? Wow. I mean, definitely after what we've been through over the past four years, um, it's, it's imperative that us as black men, I don't care if it's the boys club, uh, any type of outfit in your community, you know, us as black men, we, we have to give back. And it's not even about financially, financially, like, like mm. I said, it could be the, you know, little league, you mm. know, baseball, whatever it is, our youth, we need it because it's, it's not the same as it was when we were running around the streets, you know, even though violence has been there forever, it's just like beyond like blatant. True. You know, it seems like now they just like whatever they right. are so bold and uh, based off this former president that it's important for us just to be even more role models mm. and it doesn't take much you know if, if you live like in Mount Vernon if I was still in Mount Vernon I mean it, it would be easy for me to contact the high school Mount Vernon high school or like I said the boys club or whatever and and you know talk to the kids you know, because when they see you on television or they or or if you're a lawyer or a doctor, whatever it is, and you take a time out, they look up to that type of stuff. Because mm. I, I know I did, you know, when I was in elementary school and then a firefighter came to the school to talk to us, whatever. We need that in our community. We need that. We as black men, I would suggest just go in your hood and just like I said, volunteer your time. That's it. Well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you remember those days with PLL, uh, Pal, and yep. Pal. yes, yes, you remember, yes. Mm-hmm. you know, and and those were the want to say the times that you actually were able to see a black professional because it wasn't like at least where I'm from, it wasn't like you lived next door to a doctor or a lawyer or right. you know anything. We didn't see that um, on a normal living basis. So it is important, especially for black males mm-hmm. you know they 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 need that uplifting to let you know society let them know that society thinks that they are worthy and they yep. can be more agreed yes than what the hood demands of them mm. okay well said <laughs> that's right that's right so um let me ask you lawrence now that we the black community have helped to you know elect by and harris in our um you know, into office, in your opinion, what impact do you think um, that they'll make for the black community? 
you know, I'm I'm extremely optimistic. I mean, I'm I'm more optimistic about this administration as an adult speaking mm. than I was growing up in the hood where in Mount Vernon we had nothing but black mayors like forever. And and our hood still looks the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, it still looks the same, you know. Uh except there's no more crack, but there was crack up and down the eighties and the nineties in my hood. And we had black mayors, not saying that they didn't try, but there were no results. Right. I truly believe that. And I'm seeing it. Like I, you know, his, his cabinet, the people he's bringing in, they are reflective of America. And because black women, number one, you know, Mm. took, forward step and and as black men we we followed our black women we got them in the office i see biden with kamala you know keeping them focused definitely keeping them focused i see them delivering and i've seen it i just talked about this the other day to a friend of mine like i'm very happy i'm i'm very happy and i know that as long as kamala is is there keeping joe Broadway Joe, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Broadway Joe focus. <laughs> you know, there are things that we need, police reform, especially, you know, uh, obviously jobs, education in our in our in our inner cities. Um, but to that that police reform, I, I know we have a lot of issues, but man, I mean, me having a new son, uh, mm. and. And I and I and I, you know, we've all just suffered through these nightmares, you know, of yeah. of us being shot like yeah. dogs, you know. Yeah. Uh, police reform is like, it's so important, and it's. and he's 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 on it. Biden has he hasn't stopped talking about it. He's he's pushing forward with these executive orders. Hopefully, you know, when the midterms come. We get a, a a larger majority in the Senate, so instead of these, you know, executive orders, no, nah, we need something signed into law. Right, <laughs> and, and and I'm glad that you said that though, because that was, that was a conversation I was having uh, internally uh, with my wife, and there's and I think Lisa, we kind of touched on it last week off, just off the air, like how long, like because you brought up a good point. So the midterm elections, and you know, we're talking about you know. A time frame, but my thing is like, how long are we really? And I don't want to say comfortable because, in my opinion, I think we've waited enough. In my opinion, I'm a little bit more on the aggressive side right now. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to continue talking about it. I want to keep pressing the issue. Mm-hmm. But then there's that side that says, "Well, give the man a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, let's see what he does." And I'm like, "Well, how long do we really wait?" Because I look at it, you know, this pandemic ain't going away. You know, the next thing you know, we'll be on COVID-25 and, you know, the vaccines are not working. So things in, in Congress and, and they get pushed to the side for other things. Yes. So right. my question, like, you know, how long do we really wait? And there's no perfect answer. Right, right, right. right. But, you know, how long are we willing? And I think, you know, you bringing up the midterms. I think that's you're the first person that I've heard actually give a target. Mm-hmm. But. You know, and I'm going to ask Lisa this really like, do you think that's too long? I do. You do? Okay. I I think it's too long um, simply because our issues are pressing issues, and our issues are what voted you into the office. Right. So when you said 
uh, don't worry, Black people, I have your back, um, then I'm expecting within your first 100 days that we start, ex you know, getting policies, uh, like Lauren said, you know, at laws and mm -hmm. um, enacting change immediately when it comes to us, because our conversation with the United States of America is very different than other people's um, conversation. Not to take away from anyone other, anyone's plight or anyone's um, fight, but ours is long lasting and it is a personal conversation. Mm between Black America and the United States of America. So don't count me in policies when we start talking about POC, people of color, or, you know, other things. My issues are specific mm -hmm. to my nationality. They are mm -hmm. specific to my skin color. So I need those issues to be done I need them to be done expeditiously because as you see, like Lauren said, police reform is needed now. Mm -hmm. We just watched a nine-year-old girl get pepper spray. Right. It's crazy. Hands behind her back mm. in a police It's car crazy. With you know, six adults. It was six. Because yep. it was six adults on there. Now, even if you pulled her in, if she was halfway in refusing to get in, Pulling her in and closing the door, she's handcuffed. Mm -hmm. Okay, so as a police officer, to secure the threat, you handcuff people. So right. she was handcuffed and placed in the car. There was no further threat oh. from a nine-year-old. Right. So the culture, it's the culture of policing. So I don't mm. want to hear about bad apples. I don't mm. want to hear about this. I want to hear about that. I, we need the culture of the police department to change because they did not see her as a nine-year-old child. True that. And, you know, just as a side note, and I, I just have to because it's fresh on my mind and I apologize, but Lawrence brought up another great point as a dad, you know, now with a young son. I don't unfortunately, I don't have a son. Mm -hmm. um, and I know what it's like being a black male in America. But now that being a dad and having a young male son, like what do you think? Because, you know, we grew up in a different era and things a little bit. But how do you think or what's the best way for men to have conversations with their sons? You know, I don't want to disrespect our daughters, but, right. you know, our men are being targeted like our, our women. But the savagery towards our men is still ongoing. And what conversation do you think you would be having with your son in today's America? Wow. It's it's pathetic, but it's like a life or death conversation. Mm. I, I literally think about that like all the time. Unfortunately, when I watch the news. I mean, like you said, the nine-year-old girl getting treated like a dog. Mm. So you know, my son, you know, God willing, I'm, first of all, he's going to be educated. He's going to know the history. He, he, he's going to know that, unfortunately, this is how they look at you. Like, he, he's, he's going to know who Public Enemy is. He's going to mm. know who Harris-One is. He's going to know who Malcolm X he's, he's not going to have to worry. No, I'm sorry. He's not going to have to rely on school. Right. He's right. going to know what time it is when he leaves the house or what he's, what he's dealing with if the cops pull him over. Mm. Right. And, and, and like you said, all that bad apple stuff, nah, we, we know. And you're not, they're blah. You know, bad apples. Mm. They, it's corrupt. It's, right. it's corrupt. It's slavery. Right. Mm. I mean, we, they, it's, it, they are the same people that were slave catchers 400 years ago. Yeah. Right? You know, it's like, come on. So 
we have to educate our our young children, our sons. Mm -hmm. I have to educate him. He can't be like delusional, or, you know, or he can't. He has to know what time it is. Look, they don't like you. Right. So that's how you have to protect yourself. They don't like you. Unfortunately, yeah. And that's the sad thing about children because, you know, they're so innocent and loving. Right. Uh, you know, and then you have to teach them the realities of things. And I also heard another um, celebrity, Lawrence, say the same thing that um, you said about their children, about how they have to educate them on their own, even though they have the celebrity status, you still, it does not matter um, mm -hmm. about that status when you're driving and get pulled over. You right. know, so uh, when they say that celebrities should not be involved in social justice, you know, issues, or they shouldn't use their platform to speak out, how do you feel about that? I mean, I love LeBron James. Me too. LeBron James is like my Muhammad Ali. You know, how I looked at Muhammad Ali back in the day. Um, without LeBron James and 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 the the fellas that, that are in the same boat as him, where would we be? Mm. I, mean, I don't even care about how many championships the guy has won. Um, we need more LeBron James of the world uh, in the entertainment and the sports arena. Um, I am just thankful for him and the, and the and the cats like him, Colin Kaepernick. You know, those are my role. And I, I'm older than both of them, but they're my role models. I'm going to make sure that my son is aware of like the, the Colin Kaepernick's of the world and their stories and what they what they fought for, what they what they gave up. They, they, he gave up his career, mm. you know, um, now he, he can't even get a job. But you got all these bums in the NFL, but he can't right. get a job because he spoke up. So, no, we need more of the LeBron James type of athletes that speak up. And then there's a lot of uh, WNBA uh, athlete and ball players that speak up. You got to give props to the women out there, especially in the WNBA. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, with the athletes, please, we please don't stop. Mm, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, to even take another right turn and change lane, we're going to talk about the pandemic real quick. And I want to get your thoughts uh, on the current state of the pandemic, A, and out of curiosity, B, um, would you take the vaccine? I would take it. I haven't, I haven't uh, taken it yet, um, but but I will take it. Uh, once I once I see people that look like me taking it, um, and this, I believe it's been available for a month or two now. I'm not sure, but I didn't want to be first in line. <laughs> you know, with the Tuskegee experiments and all of that stuff. I don't want to be first in line, uh, but when when I see that, you know, my people uh, have taken a shot and they didn't die two weeks later or whatever, um, I'm not into the I'm not I'm not I'm really not into the conspiracy theories type of thing. Mm. If I see my people taking it, you know, my neighbors, you know, my doctor who's actually a black doctor. If if I, if I see them taking it, then I feel more, you know, secure. Mm -hmm. um, and I and I have seen with now once again with Biden and, and Kamala that administration they're at least making an effort to to an organized effort 
to combat this thing that, like you said, it's not going to just disappear, right. but they are making an, an effort, you know, that you can see, you can see an outline. You can mm -hmm. go to whitehouse.gov and see they actually have a plan mm -hmm. to, to fight this. And no matter how long it takes, my job is to protect me and, and you. Yeah. So I'm wearing my mask because I don't want you to catch anything from me and I don't want to catch anything from you. Right. You, right. you know, just do that little simple thing. It, it can help. It can't make it worse. Right. Right. Mm. That's right. Well said. How is the um speaking of the pandemic, how has that impacted your studios? Um, were you slowed down a bit or do you have any new projects coming up? Yeah, we were definitely shut down. Um with independent films. If someone catches COVID, especially the, you know, your lead actor, your director, and they're going for a week or two, there goes your budget. Mm. Where studios, um, my buddy was telling me yesterday, he's, he's on two, two TV shows right now, two studio shows. So they have money. So they have like, you know, section A, section B, section C, section D, where you get your COVID daily, two times a day, blah, blah, blah. They can afford to be extra careful. When you're on a, when you're shooting independent films, you don't have that type of budget. Mm -hmm. so you're relying on your lead actress or actor to wear their mask when they're not on the set. If they don't come in tomorrow because they have COVID, mm. <laughs> you have no more film. Wow, wow. So we can't take that. We couldn't take the chance, you know, to start shooting. Mm. Um, but now that Biden is in that administration, I'm optimistic that at the very least uh, we'll, we'll see a decline. We will see uh, like, uh, like, an, what is it called? Uh, uh, CVS, the store CVS. There's, there's, mm -hmm. In LA, they're allowing them to, to, uh, to give the vaccines to people now. So they're making it more available. Um, I have a horror film. I mean, I have a horror, I want to see the horror film. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we have the budget and everything. I actually put a post out where I'm, I'm actually giving writers who, you know, normally would have to try to shop their script to the studios. Mm -hmm. I'm actually taking submissions. Nice. From, exactly. Yeah, taking submissions now. I've been getting I've been getting them, too. Um, and that will give them an opportunity, you know, and they're getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. for their rights to their script to shoot a horror film, which I'm going to shoot this year. I'm just waiting for, you know, a little more, I guess, uh, confidence in the pandemic when it comes to protecting ourselves. I'm not there yet to start production and then we get shut down. Mm -hmm. But totally. Well, yeah. I totally understand that. And look here, listeners. You heard it here first, man. We're going we're gonna to let this brother give out this information. If you are a writer, you know, mm -hmm. this is a, a golden opportunity to yep. get yourself, uh, you know, recognized, seen, in the door. Uh, man, look, I wish I was a writer. I, <laughs> I, you know, because I said, as soon as I saw it, I sent it to my daughter. And um, she sent it to some of her friends that she wrote with in school. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that they are submitting uh stuff to you but really even on that before we go and i i do have that what what like why a horror movie um like what drives you to want to do a horror movie well my wife 
She hates horror movies. (laughs) 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 She hates them, and I love them because I I get to escape. They're not real, so I get to escape. You know, I I get to just, most of them are corny, but then, you you, you know, you get a good one, like a Friday 13th or, you know, one of them joints, Mm. and they become a chain. They're easy to shoot. All you need is a house, a murder, a, a killer, and, and, and a couple of, you know, uh, um, lead actors. You know, you can shoot a horror film in one location primarily for an independent filmmaker. Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So they're much easier to shoot. And if you like horrors like me, I can read the script and say, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can read it and I can say, okay, yeah, I can see myself watching this on Netflix. So that's just my thing. I, I just like them. You know more than the romantic comedies. I, I like. I, yeah, it's just a weird thing, but you know, yeah. Okay, that's what's up. I, I, what I about, just uh-huh. about historical pieces. Like, were you mm. thinking about something? Because I like to see something about um, the life of uh, a shot of Shakur. Mm. I've Ooh. never seen any no movie or anything about her. I would like to see that. Ooh, that's what's oh, up. That's my pitch. <laughs> Listen, I'm big on that. Like, in Shakur's story, um, some, I think somebody's doing another Angela White. Um, or, quote me if I'm wrong, but th- there's a lot of stories that should be done in our people. And the best way around it is, like, for me personally, is if I can make any of my films pop to that next level mm. where I have a say-so in the meeting with the studio, because I don't want to do nobody, like a movie like that, Shakur's story, or, you know, we can go on and on and on, right? You want to do it right. Yeah. Like you, you don't want to have like a million dollar budget when that movie deserves $5 million, $10 million. Right. You know, you don't want to, it's like not, I don't want to just shoot something just to shoot it. Right. And those type of stories, you have to do it right. And and I studio, agree. you know, they, they get a little tight with the money, but if you come in there, you know, with with, with, with a little momentum, they'll cut you a check. And, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to create momentum. And that's what I was going to ask, you know, kind yeah. of help educate some of us how that works. But I, I understand what you're saying. You're your prior work or works have to have gained some traction or momentum. And when you say that though, are you talking about from the film audience or within the film industry to be able to go ahead and get that type of money to, to do a Shakur story? From No, from your audience. Okay. Halle like, uh, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Before the studio heard about him, he was killing the game. Yeah. Plays and, and his smaller budget movies. He was killing it. Mm. They didn't know about him, but Lionsgate didn't know about him back then. Mm-hmm. Once his joint started taking to that next level, then they came along and threw him some money, and he still he still maintained creative control. Right. You know, Spike Lee the same way. You know, he had he had the barbershop joint and the other one, which were you know classics in our little community. Right. But do the right thing, boom. Now he can do a Malcolm X. Right. He can get the donation of Oprah and everybody. 
but he did Malcolm X the right way with a budget, mm -hmm. you know, but he yes. couldn't have done that. if he wasn't making those other groundbreaking joints that created momentum in his audience. Okay. They forced, they forced it. They forced yeah. it. Yeah. 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 What's up, man? I, I really have uh, learned uh, a whole lot today and I really appreciate you, my brother, really taking time out of your schedule and really sitting down with us, man. I really love it. Um, Lisa knows I'm really big on trying to find, uh, you know, our queens out here killing the game. They are really doing a lot of the, the groundwork. And I really look and try to bring in men like yourself that are doing things in the community that this society tends to push us to the side. Mm -hmm. um, and we have to figure out a way uh, to get ourselves back to the forefront and not only help our sisters, but put our sisters on our backs now and, and really lead the way. So I really thank you for joining us. And with that being said, you know, can you tell us uh, or talk to us about, you know, what's next for, for Lawrence Adisa? What, what else is coming up in the near future outside of the movie or anything else that you're working on? Or please share more of that information so our listeners can find oh, reach you. Definitely, especially your listeners that have scripts like we talked about. Um, we are taking submissions for the horror joint. Um, you can go right to my website, lawrenceadisa.com, and you can submit there. I'm on social media, Lawrence Adisa, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Lawrence L.A. Adisa. Um, you can uh, contact me, any of those venues, Twitter, same thing, Lawrence Adisa. If you have a script, that's a horror joint. And you can you contact me directly. We are taking submissions. I'm hoping to select a script um, by the end of March is my my you know initial deadline. Mm -hmm. So if you got something submitted. This is a paid this is a paid gig. You you will get paid for the rights uh, uh, to give us the rights to to make your story into a movie. Uh, so jump on that. And besides that. Man, I'm I'm just staying focused. I'm, I'm staying woke. I'm, I'm following the Biden administration. Um, I'm following coronavirus. I'm watching CNN and MSNBC <laughs> and all of the cats, you know, because you know, I'm, I'm just trying to be able to educate my family and, and my people so we can, you know, not be caught. Not get mm. caught. Right. Mm. Right. Well said, my brother. Mm. Lisa. Yes, sir. Before we roll out, sis, <laughs> what you what you got for me? Anything you want to share? No, I'm just glad for this episode. Very informative. So thank you, Lawrence. And anything that we can do to uh, get your momentum going so we can get you pop word, uh, word. on to the next level. Uh, two mics is here for you for whatever you need. If you need to just let us know that this is coming out and we do promo and whatever for you, brother, mm -hmm. we are here to take you to that next level. So we are behind you. 200%. Guys, appreciate you guys, man. This is a, this is a blessing in itself. And I'm just so glad to be a part of you know what you guys got cracking. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I will be uh, staying in touch. No doubt, Dame. Appreciate you, Lisa. I appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Thank no. Thank you. Feel free to give me a little cameo. <laughs> 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 you know, it's good. Now. Well, 
Yeah. <laughs> Real talk, you know, hopefully when this pandemic breaks, man, you know, we do come back and forth. I know you in LA, but you know, somehow, some way in the future, I would really love uh to be able to have the pleasure of meeting you in person. Um, it, it really is an honor. We really need to expand, you know, our horizons in our community and the men and women that are doing things like you are, uh, presenting us in a light, uh our light. That, that really shines and resonates uh, with our community. So thank you, Lawrence, again. Um, you. At this point in time, you know, uh, you can always follow Two Mics Up online at www.twomicsup.com. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. You know, it's totally free. Uh, we have some things coming. Uh, we're working on a newsletter. We're going to have some new stuff with some businesses here locally to the DMV. Uh, if you don't subscribe, you're going to miss out. So make sure you hit that subscribe button when you go on our website. Uh, you can subscribe now. We have a YouTube channel. We're going to be bringing more uh, series and things, conversations like this to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can also uh, follow us on social media, IG, Facebook, and Twitter at Two Mics Up. And like we always do at this time, stay safe, stay blessed. Mics out. Mics out. Peace.